We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he was born of the Virgin Mary and became man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered, died, and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in fulfillment of the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshiped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. And we look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Amen. Well, we're so glad to have you here with us this morning. Um, the kids are going to be up and then we'll meet them at the back right after worship. And the Bible says to enter into his gates with thanksgiving and enter into his courts with praise because the Lord is good. So as we just worship him this morning, let's come with that heart and that attitude that it doesn't matter what's going on in our lives. The Lord is good. And we're going to just enter into his gates with thanksgiving and praise. Hallelujah. I was buried beneath my shame.
sin was heavy, but chains break at the weight of your glory. I needed shelter, I was an orphan. Now you call me a citizen of heaven. When I was broken, you were my healing. Now you're
changer hallelujah I just have a little sports analogy for you here if your team whatever team that might be if you knew they were going to win the Super Bowl wouldn't you go all in and if they lost two games in a row would you be worried you wouldn't because you knew you knew that they were going to win the victory of the whole season they were going to win what if you just realize that you have won the victory knowing Jesus? That it doesn't matter if you had a couple bad plays or you lost a couple games or you made some bad mistakes, you made a couple bad calls. Because we have victory in Jesus. We know the prize. We know we're going to get that finish line. We're going to get that ring. We're going to get the inheritance of the king. So I just encourage you today to go boldly into his throne of grace. His Holy Spirit will come to you. He will overflow you like a flood and you can accomplish anything. So go this week. I just encourage you to go boldly knowing we know who wins in the end. Amen.
God is speaking. Oh, can you see it? He's got your healing. Oh, just receive it. Receive the freedom. this morning. If you would just go around and greet some of your family of faith and children, you are dismissed. Thank you for singing. Who said that? It's good to have you today. I know they're checking kids in and Kids Church live streamers. Wherever you're at, wherever you're watching from, we're glad to have you with us. Well, good morning. Oh, 
Amen. Come on in. Grab a seat. Let's take up tithe and offering if you have something to give. Uh, offering envelopes are in the chairs in front of you. If not, wave your hand around. One of our ushers will help you out. We thank you for your giving, your faithfulness, and uh, what it means for, for our house, but also um, for, for the church, what I mean by that. But um, also that we're always, always praying, always believing that that God will, will do what only he can do with, the, with what comes into the church. So we thank you for your giving. Uh, I'll pray over that. So if you have something to give, you can bring it this morning. Lord, we thank you for an opportunity to come and worship and be in your house, Lord, as we give and, and we bring our tithe and our offering to you this morning, Lord, that uh, we pray uh, that, that you multiply it in ways that only you can and, and it's used for the kingdom uh, to, to see people come to salvation and to, to long-term discipleship, Lord. And we thank you uh, for those things. Those are the most important things. So, Lord, uh, blessings upon that this morning. In Jesus' name, and everybody says, amen. amen. Bring something you have this morning as you're doing that. Um, let's see. Uh, today, right at the end of service, we're going to grab all the kids and bring them up here and with their families. We're going to pray over kids as, as school's getting back in and uh, all of that stuff. So we want to pray prayer of wisdom and, and blessing upon them today. So that's going to happen to close the service. Uh, don't forget, tomorrow night, every Monday night from 6 to 7 here, we have church-wide prayer. Prayer is vitally important, and, and, it, and it's what the church should be about in its base uh, of what we do moving forward and everything that we do should be uh, founded in prayer. So every Monday from 6 to 7 right here, be here for church-wide prayer. And also, uh, September the 9th, the Friday night from 7 to 9, we have a bowling night, Southwest Bowl. Isn't that right, Mike? And it'll be a good time. It's free for you. Just show up. And if you, all you need to do is if you want some sort of uh, snacks while you're there, you can purchase that. But we're covering Joy Fellowship next night. So uh, bowling, that's September 9th. And, but Joy Fellowship is next Sunday, correct? Bill and Patsy, if you have questions about that, see Bill and Patsy. It's one of our small groups that meets. So uh, be a part of that. So having said that, you get your Bibles out. Let's get, jump right into the, to the scriptures today. Um, doing a new series starting today. We've just finished up, I don't know, six or seven, maybe eight times on the image of the salvation, what it means to be saved. And not only to understand the surety of our salvation, but see the big picture of what it means to be saved. Okay, so that's what we spent a couple of months talking about. I want you to know what it means to be in the fullness of the salvation that God has given you, the gift of God. But kind of coming out of that, I know summer's getting closer to the end. We're headed towards fall. How many of you are happy about that? Anybody? How many of y'all are summer lovers and just stay in summer all the time? I'm sorry. Um, it's just... It just doesn't happen in this, this area that which we live, and I'm glad for it, by the way. But I know as we're heading back into the fall, everybody's busy over the summer. Lots of people are traveling and doing stuff. But I wanted to kind of uh, talk three weeks about something that I think is vitally important as we're heading into the fall. Um, I want to talk to you about sharing your faith. We, we come out of talking about what it means to be saved. I'm saved, and what does that mean, the big picture of it? But there is an importance to the fact that you don't keep it to yourself. Your salvation is not a privatized affair with God. Now, I'll talk to you over the next three weeks about what it means to be saved. I'm actually looking at my notes here. 
And I was looking over them last night about 8.30, and my wife brought me home a Frosty, and I pulled the lid off of it and like all over my notes, so I'm, I'm looking at Frosty stayed pages here. Um, maybe it's my fault for eating a Frosty that late. But anyways, um, covered all over my notes. By the way, there was a youth ministry that I interned at when I was still in college. I don't know how it happened, but the youth ministry had a Frosty machine. Like, and I worked there every day. How many know that's bad news? When you can just, fro you know, it wasn't good. But anyhow, I love Frosties, and it's all over my paper. Anyway, so um, the importance of sharing your salvation. It's not a privatized affair. That we are all called to share our faith. We're going to talk about what that means. So today I'm going to give you four reasons as to why you should share your faith. Next week, we're going to talk about what do I actually share? What does it mean to share Jesus? And then the week after that, I want to talk to you about the attitude that you should have in sharing your faith as we find in the scriptures. Um, everybody has a salvation story, right? There, there, there are millions of salvation stories, but one salvation in Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody finds salvation outside of him. But my salvation story is probably different than your salvation story. How God got to you and he takes the first step towards us and how we respond to the gift of salvation and how that have worked in our life. Millions of stories of salvation, but a salvation that we all come to. The Christian life is not an assembly line that you would find in some sort of a factory. Not everybody gets put together the same way. Lots of stories of salvation, lots of ways that God is working in your life. So it's not, a, it's, it's not assembly line work, it is the work of the Holy Spirit. And what, what's amazing about a church that comes together is, is we are a diverse, not only as people, we're diverse in our stories of salvation and how God is working in our lives. And somehow, way, we come together in unity and do this together. Learning to live the Jesus way together. But kind of uh, kick this off, throw that orange slide up, Elijah. Elijah's got a lot of work back on the, uh, the, the orange one, the orange slide. The, there we go. We have some values in our church. So values, we live by faith. Why? Because we love God with everything we have. We value relationships because we learn to love our neighbors, and that's like the first one. But notice that third one. We have a value here at this church that we are rescuers that we are a part of what God is doing in this world to see the world saved. We're part of it. In other words, because of living by faith, loving God, and because of valuing relationships, loving our neighbors, there's a natural outworking of wanting to be a part of what God is up to, that we are salt and light in this world. We're a part of the rescuing plan of God for what? People, right? So that's a value in our church, and I, I want to drive this home because if all we're doing is coming together and growing together and being equipped together, but then we don't do anything when we leave, then that's missing some of the point. I'm glad you're saved. I'm glad you're on this long-term discipleship. I'm glad. I'm glad you're finding freedom in your life, but that's not the end of it. Once we leave this place and we live what it means to be saved and be discipled in this world, there's something to it that we're part of the rescue plan of God. So what are we doing about that? Luke chapter 19, verse number 10. 
before we get into our points today, let, let's just read something here that Jesus claimed and he claimed about himself. Luke chapter 19, verse number 10. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the who? The lost. The whole reason Jesus came was to bring salvation to this world, inaugurate the kingdom of God and all that that means, all the things that he did in his, in his miracles and the works that he did and his teaching, certainly getting to the cross and the resurrection from the dead, they, they all bring this, this idea, this theme. He has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Now, how many of you, at some point, this is everybody, but I'm just going to ask anyways. How many of you know that at some point you were lost? Everybody. God came in Jesus Christ to save you. And when he takes that step towards us and you respond, and, and what, again, whatever your story of salvation is, we, we could... We could sit here and, and somebody could say, well, how did you come to salvation in Jesus? You probably have a story to tell. Some of you, maybe you grew up in church and there was some point in, in your mind where you came to a realization, you understood what you were doing, you gave your life to him. Some of you, some of you were living a, a sinful life. You, you were lost, you were bound, and Jesus came and saved you and he set you free. We have so many different stories of salvation. Why? Because the Son of Man, he came to seek and to save the lost. He's still doing it. He's still at work. It hasn't stopped. Now, I don't know, maybe you haven't noticed this before. I've noticed it. Jesus isn't here. Not here physically, is he? Where did he go? He ascended. And then what happened? He promised who? The Holy Spirit. And he came right? And the Holy Spirit is at work in this world to continue this work, to seek and to save the lost. But now all of a sudden, because Jesus is not physically here, who is physically here in the power of the Spirit to do this work? That's right here. That we now are the, the hands and the feet and the outworking of Jesus the church, and the world. So, so I want to impress upon you the importance that we are part of the rescuing plan of God. And it's not, not that we're anything, by the way. It is the work of God. He does the work. We just get to participate in it, right? So, so four things today, four things today. Here's the first thing. If you take notes, write these things down. Number one, why should I share my faith? Because this is our calling in life. Now, why should I share my faith? This is our calling. Did you know that you're actually called to share your faith? Did you know that? Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 13, probably a passage that, that many of you may be familiar with. Matthew chapter 5. And verse number 13. It says you, and this is talking to Jesus, who would then in turn become those who follow him. You 
are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how should it be made salty again, or how should its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Salt, light, city, good works that cause people to glorify God. So salt is a preserver. Believers in this world are the preservation of the kingdom of God until he returns. We have a foothold in this world, a preserver of the kingdom until he comes again. But part of being salt, it gives flavor too. How many of y'all love to put salt on your food? Keep your hand up. Keep your hand up. How many of you are over salters? Yeah, see, I got you. All right? Most of you. Don't do that. I'm at the age of my life where my doctors are telling me, don't use salt. It's a terrible thing. So how many know what I'm talking about? They just say, don't use salt. Anyways, do you listen to them? Probably not. But anyways, salt is not only a preserver, but it's also for taste. See, the kingdom has a foothold in this world. It is the kingdom of God's believers. We're preserving the kingdom in this world, but it's not just for preservation. It adds flavor, the flavor of God, right? In other words, another way to see it is that we're a light. You, you ever been lost in the dark in which you had a light? You ever been lost? There, there are times when uh, I'm a hunter. You guys know that. So I, I get out in my tree stand before light most of the time when I go out. And, and some days you go out, the moon's out, you can, you can actually see pretty good even though the sun hasn't come up. But there's days you get out there, it's overcast, it's pitch dark in the woods. And every once in a while, even though I've walked to this tree stand a hundred some times, more than a hundred times, I still have to break my light out just to make sure I'm going the right way. I won't be wandering around in the woods lost until the sun comes up. See, we're a light in a world that needs a light because the world is dark. Preservation of the kingdom, we add flavor for the kingdom, but we're also light. But it's light in such a way, it's like a city set on the hill that has its lights lit at night. It's something you see off in the distance. It's not something that you hide. The light that's lit within you and, 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 you know, I say, I say this to you a lot. It's not this little light of mine. It's, it should be a fire. I'm not interested in this little light of mine because that blows out. I'm interested in a fire. That if the wind gets crazy, it just makes it bigger. That's what I'm after, right? But you don't take that fire. You don't take that light and hide it. It's not, it's not privatized. It is for people to see. You're the light of the world. And notice Jesus keeps saying, you, your salt, your light. You're a city. That you do the things of God. You do the work of the kingdom, and people see the good do deeds that you do, and that turns and causes them to look around and say, wow, glorify this God in heaven that is causing this to happen in this world. That's part of your calling. And we'll, we'll get back to that in our last point, but you are called to share your faith. 
Because if you don't, who will? You're called to share which you have. Here's the second point. Why should I share my faith? Number two, because people need Jesus. People need Jesus. John chapter 3, verse number 17. John chapter 3. And verse number 7. This is right after, obviously, the, the most famous verse. For God so loved the world, gave his one and only Son, whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Verse 17. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes responds to what he's up to in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Everybody is already condemned in their sin. Romans 3, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Because of that, people need, listen, it's, it's not optional. People need Jesus. Why should I share my faith? People need Jesus. Do you believe that? For, for all the things that, that people want to have in this world, and that goes into our next point, but all the things that people want to have in this world, for all the things they try out, for all the things that they chase, there is not one person that does not need Jesus. So I need to share my faith because people need him. What has he done for me? Well, isn't that something good to share with somebody else, right? So it leads to this third point. Write this one down. Why should I share my faith? Now, this, this one may, you may have to be convinced about this because people want Jesus. So John chapter 10 and verse number 10. So why should I share my faith? Because people want Jesus. They just not only need him, but they want him. John 10.10 says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy it. I, Jesus, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And he goes on to say that I am the good shepherd. Now again, you may need convinced of this a little bit that people want Jesus. But see, you've got to start thinking, what is gained in salvation? What happens in a person's life when Jesus comes and he saves them and begins to do a work in their life? Here's what I know. Again, people are chasing fulfillment in their life. People are chasing something. They may not even be able to identify it all the time. But people are chasing something that I believe is fulfilled in the abundance that Jesus brings. I believe everybody interestingly inside knows they need something. They know something's not right. They know something's not right with this world. What they need is Jesus. Not only do they need him, I believe everybody wants Jesus because once they understand what abundant life is, they're going to say, that's what I wanted the entire time. 
I tried to find it in this, and 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 I was not fulfilled. I only found that in Jesus. I think everybody wants him. The abundant life that he brings, you can't find it in relationships, you can't find it in money, you can't find it in achievement and success, you can't find it in anything but Jesus. So why should I share my faith? Because I believe people want Jesus. We're called to it, they need him, but ultimately they want him. When you start to taste and see that the Lord is good, that's what I wanted the entire time. I wish I didn't go here for it. I, didn't, I wish I didn't try to find it here, and that messed my life up a little bit, and I, I wish I didn't chase it here. Well, that was okay, but I, that wasn't it, and, and, and I thought it was money, but every time I get money, I just want more, and it's not satisfying, and people want Jesus because Jesus brings Abundant life. Amen? Do you believe that? All right, here, here's the last point. Why should I share my faith? Because I once was lost. Why should I share my faith? Because I myself knows what it's like to be lost. I know what it's like not to have Jesus. I know what it's like to chase all this other stuff and come up short. I'd like to spare somebody that story. I'm going to share Jesus because I once was lost. 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. Second Corinthians 5, and we'll go to verse number 14. Now, now we, we, we were in this passage when we were talking about reconciliation in the image of the salvation. What's it mean to be reconciled to God? But let's just go back here again. 2 Corinthians 5, 14. It would be good if I was in 2 Corinthians. There we go. Watch this. It says, for the love of Christ controls us. Another way of, of, of saying that, other translations, for the love of Christ compels us. Because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all that those who might live no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sakes died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according in the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore... If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. There's the calling. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling himself, the world to himself, and not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. But back at that verse 14, for the love of Christ compels us because we have concluded this. You once being lost have now been found. You once dead in your sin have been made alive 
in Christ Jesus. You once were in the lack of your inward being or finding abundance. You know what that is like, and now you have been convinced, even compelled by the love of Christ. Because of what you were and what you are becoming, I share my faith. See, that's your story, by the way. We're going to talk about your story next week a little bit and what that means in sharing your faith. Your story compels you because of the love of Jesus. Your story convinces you that God is the one who does come and seek and save the lost. Therefore, I share my faith because I once was lost. And I want to keep this to myself. How many of you were old enough in your salvation that you know the difference between pre-save you and post-save you? Anybody? My goodness, isn't that enough to compel you? How many of you could tell stories what God has done in your life? Let me see. That's something to compel you. Those things happen not because of you, not because of your good works, because of the good work of God in you. That's what you share. I'm compelled. I'm convinced in the love of God the love of Jesus, what he has done to go share my faith. Now, admittedly, today and the next couple of weeks, this is really basic stuff. This is not high-end theology, all right? This is super straightforward. I share my faith because I'm called. I share my faith because people need Jesus. I share my faith because whether or not they know it, they want Jesus. And I share my faith because I once was lost. Can we be compelled in that way? That, that our value, that we're rescuers. Look, I don't want you to live in society and just try to survive. I want you to live in society in such a way to be a part of what God is up to, a higher calling. Watch what happens. Luke chapter number 15, a parable of Jesus. And we'll, we'll close and pray for the kids after this. Luke chapter 15. And verse number, verse number one. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear him. I want you to hear something there. We'll get into the attitude of, of sharing your faith in a couple of weeks, but who was coming near to Jesus? The ones who needed him. Because the Son of Man came to seek and save who was what? And the lost were coming to him. But there's always religious people there going, oh my goodness. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled. This man receives sinners and eats with them. So as Jesus does, he doesn't preach a sermon, he doesn't yell at him, he doesn't throw things, he doesn't throw a fit, he tells a parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on its shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls his friends and his neighbors, his neighbors together, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I found my sheep that was lost. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven 
over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Have you ever lost something? If you know me, just, just like a month ago, I lost my phone here. Could not find it. Half everybody that was still here at church was looking for my phone. I found it in my truck. But you know what? As much as the phone is, we think is valuable, it's not the most important thing. You know what I'm saying? You lose your phone eventually, okay, so what? But at that moment, that phone was the most important thing to me because I couldn't find it. You see what I'm saying? When you lose something, even something that, that you really ultimately don't need, that thing becomes your focus. It bugs you. You do whatever, you're looking, you're throwing your drawers out, you're looking everywhere, under the couch, in the cushion. You're looking for that thing because what you have lost has grabbed your attention. Isn't that right? That's the way God sees the world. The lost have his attention. Now, as, as, as somebody who's saved and reconciled, yes, I have his attention, but don't think that the lost don't have his attention. It's just like my keys that are lost or my glasses that are lost that happen sometimes or, 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 or my phone. To God, that stuff is the most important thing to the point that he will leave the 99 and go find the one. And when he finds it, he brings it back and he throws a party. That every time somebody is found in salvation, it sets off a party in heaven. You think heaven and the new earth is going to be boring? I have news for you. It's going to be lots of joy and laughter and dancing. It's the kingdom. Could we adopt the same attitude of God towards the lost? That, that those that need Jesus, again, it's not us looking down at anybody or anything like that, but we just understand that, again, they need Jesus. They want Jesus. I understand what it means to be lost. It's my calling that the lost capture our attention and our focus. It's not just something we try to survive in, but we're actually called to it. You know, I, I think so much in Christianity because we're worried about sin, should be, and we are called to live holy lives, amen. We're so worried about our holy bubble, we're worried about something infecting it. That instead of seeking and saving that which is lost, we, we try to run away from it. Let me tell you something. The world that needs Jesus, at the end of the day, that's not their issue if you can't deal with it. You're called. You're not called to hide somewhere. You're called to... to to the point that you receive a sinner, a tax collector. In order to what? Not only have relation, but, but they need Jesus. They want Jesus. That's my calling. You see what I'm getting at? That the lost world will have some of your attention, your focus, because they're lost. Sharing your faith, we're going to talk about this next week. It's not hard. I think sometimes when we think about sharing your faith, we think evangelism. Well, I got to go knock on doors. I got to stand on the street corner. I got to fly to another country. Those are all nice things if you want to do them, but that's not what it's about. It's about sharing Jesus, your story, even sharing your church. We'll talk about that next week. Of what it means 
to be actual salt and light, not hiding it in a world that needs him. I believe, I pray every day that this church is a house of salvation. Every day I pray that. That people will come here and, and God will break into their life in a powerful way. Where they discover what we were saying. This is what I, what I needed the whole time. I just didn't know it. The enemy works to blind people. What they need, they're blinded to. That they need Jesus. I pray this is a house where it happens. I pray that when you guys are out there, it's happening out there. Acts 2.47, after the, the infilling of the Spirit and people are going out, and the Bible says, and the Lord added to their number daily those being saved. That we will be a church like that. You believe? Then, then let's get to the simplicity. You know, some, sometimes... I know we get to church now that we like to hear some more deeper theological things. I think sometimes that messes the whole thing up. I think sometimes we got to get to the basics and just say, look, you have Jesus, go tell somebody about him. Rubber meets the road what it means to live for Jesus. Go tell somebody. I don't know all the Bible. It's okay, neither do I. I ain't got it all figured out yet, neither do I. I certainly ain't perfect, we know. Neither am I. It's okay. But you have Jesus. Like that like, like song we sang, I love that song. It's my favorite song we've been singing over the last three months or so. Let my Jesus change your life. I love that song. Makes a way where there is no way. Right? That's what Jesus does. That abundant life. That we would just simply go share him in the life that we're living. Amen? Okay. So, somebody wants to go alert the kids. They can come up and we'll pray for them. But as that's happening, I would be remiss not to offer Jesus this morning to everybody here. I'll tell you this. If you give your life to him, you'll find that he's everything that you need. And all the things that you chase in your life will never, ever measure up to him. That's what I discovered as a 17-year-old kid. Nothing ever measured up. I, I grew up in church. I knew the whole deal. I could, I could have told you the Bible books in order. and I, could, I knew stuff. I knew stuff. But I never fully gave myself. So if, if you're here this morning... And you say, you know what, I, I guess I'm lost. I need forgiven of my sins. That's what that means. And you want to give your life to him. I just want to pray with you. A simple prayer. Not, I'm not going to call you down here or any of that, that kind of stuff. But that we pray a prayer together. And all you need to do before you leave, come say, hey, I prayed that prayer. What do I do now? That's cool. I'd love to talk to you about that. Amen? So let, let's all pray. Lord Jesus. For those that are in this room today that have not given their life to you, I pray right here, everybody under the sound of my voice, will just do simply this. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. And I believe 
that you will forgive anything in my life. There's nothing that's too far beyond your forgiveness. And I pray that they ask for forgiveness. And they simply, in, in however way they, they put it, that they give their life to you. That, that maybe, maybe they never thought, Lord, that they could do this, but I pray that you encourage them that they can because you're the one that helps them do it. Lord, they, they give their life to you and begin this, this life of living with you, and they find what abundant life is all about. So as they're praying that, I pray that you hear the prayers. We know that you do. The Bible says you're faithful and just, and you will forgive us all of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's the work of God. It's the work of the Holy Spirit, and we thank you for that. I pray for and thank you for the salvations, any salvation in this house this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So if you prayed that at all, please see me before you go, and I'd love to talk to you. Now we want to pray for our kids before they go back to school. How many, are, how many of y'all love our kids? Anybody? I know we love our kids so much. So how about this? Kids, why don't you come right here? Come up here. And moms and dads, if you're here, come grab your kid and be with them, okay? And uh, I'd love to pray over you. So if everybody would stand up on your feet, we're just going to pray a prayer of blessing over them. And, and all the families that aren't here today, we're, we're missing some families. We're going to pray over them, too. Now, I don't know about you. How many track with me on this? When I was a kid, I was like, yay, back to school. When I got older, oh, nasty, going back to school. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. So it don't matter where you're at on that spectrum. We believe you're going to have a good school year. We pray for wisdom in your studies. We, and if you're in public school, wisdom in your interaction at your school. We pray that uh, the Lord is with you. And I pray even for the older ones, clarity for life direction starts to happen. We also pray for moms and dads that you guys make it too. And you guys have wisdom in how you deal with your kids throughout the school year and assignments and things that come up and all that business. We pray, we pray this year for a stress-free school year. Amen? And we pray for knowledge to be gained and, and life to be heading forward. So everybody here, let's all, let's all pray with them as I pray over them as a group. Lord, we thank you for our, our families and our students that are heading back to school. Lord, I pray first you bless them. I pray, Lord, that you keep them. I pray for wisdom. I pray for even those, uh, the students that sometimes struggle in certain subjects. I pray that you help them. I pray you honor their hard work. I pray, Lord, uh, for those in public school that, that face decisions every day. I pray that, that they're walking in your wisdom even as a child, because even, even Samuel grew as a child in, in stature in the Lord, and we thank you for that. I pray for protection on all of them. I pray, Lord, uh, that this year is a stress-free school year. I pray motivation is there to work hard for each student. But I pray, Lord, you honor them in what they do, Lord. And I, I pray for parents for wisdom in the things that they face during this school year. I pray, Lord, for, for every decision that comes up, that your wisdom is right there leading them and guiding them, and we thank you for that. So I pray blessings upon these kids in Jesus' name, that they're growing in the admonition of the Lord, they're growing up in you, Lord, and they will always walk in your ways no matter all the days of their life, and we thank you for that. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. How many of y'all believe for a good school year? Amen. All right. 
All right, well, good deal. Well, thank you, everybody. We'll see you Wednesday night. We're going to finish the book of Romans on Wednesday. Amen. Next week, part two in this series. Be blessed as you go today.